Greetings, and welcome to the 80-Level Roundtable Podcast. In each episode, host Kirill Tokarev invites video game industry leaders to talk about the world of game development. No topic is off-limits as long as it relates to video game development. New episodes are in the works, so remember to follow us or subscribe and share with someone you know will also enjoy the podcast. So welcome to 80 Level Roundtable, where we discuss the latest news and uh, information about the game dev, tech, and art. And here uh, today we have uh, Spiridon with us, and we are going to discuss some very interesting topics connected with publishing and uh, art books, our favorite. So Spiridon, before we go into like our topic, could you give us a little introduction and tell us about yourself and where you come from, what do you do, that kind of thing. Yeah, sure. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to do this and um, uh, compliments to the platform. I love AT Level. Um, yeah, so my name is Spiridon, uh, or Spiridon. You um, can call me either way. Um, I started my, my career as a graphic designer in print media in 2006. Uh, worked mostly um, on uh, publishing related to tourism and I was uh, in 2013 I became um, also like a freelance illustrator. Um, I started out a little bit earlier but 2013 I went freelance and um, this was kind of the moment when I started merging my interest in art with my actual um, like with my skills, with my job that I was doing, um, combining passion with work. Um, the first publication I worked uh, on was uh, Evan Mel Amundsen's uh, Time series. Uh, was kind of a, of a kickstarting my own career with this thing because it was already a, a project that was uh, waited for by a lot of people. And uh, the campaign that we did on Kickstarter was also very successful. And uh, from there, I went on to work with um, with other artists like Andrew Marr or uh, James Martin. Um, I worked with uh, Edition Corette, uh, the publisher of Kim Jong-gi and uh, some Subrani um, volumes on uh, Jesper Ising's book. And they were also teaming up with us for other publication um, with, with, with the artists that I'm working with. Um, in uh, 2019, I made uh, like an like an art collective book project, which is called Hardcover, which um, was uh, publishing um, adult art by uh, a lot of acclaimed artists. Um, it was kind of a project uh, that was about uh, protesting um, the continuous, uh, like uh, what can I, how can I, let's say censorship. Um, or people getting blocked for uh, doing artistic nudes and all that. And people were very, um, very frustrated at the time. So uh, this book project was kind of a vent for them and uh, also very just exciting and uh, uh, to do that uh, was very successful. The second one we did was also very successful on Kickstarter. So um, for my previous publications, I uh, realized that uh, using crowdfunding as a, as a platform to publish books in a more independent way and not in the traditional publishing sense, which I knew from my job that I had before, um, that it would work pretty well. And it actually did, uh, especially in the art world. Uh, I was also doing this magazine in 2017. I uh, started it in 
the meantime, since June uh, of this year, it has been acquired by CGMA. Um, it was the Firestarter Community Magazine. I was doing a lot of um, a lot of networking through that magazine. I was bringing free content uh, to the art community, and um, yeah, it was. I mean, it helped me also like build my network and uh, made the publishing site much easier. Since uh, traveling to all these ev events and meeting all these people was a very important part in uh, meeting artists that actually want to publish with you because uh, doing something like a crowdfunding campaign with an artist that doesn't really know you or maybe just heard about you and meeting them in person a person is uh, super important uh, because uh, you can't just uh, ignore the factor of trust when it comes to this and uh, so since then uh, yeah this has been working out pretty well for me and also for the artist working with me thank you so much for the introduction so my first question is basically connected with uh, the art of um, art books if i may say yeah so here on 80 level we are huge fans of this format and uh, mm. i guess i have like a bunch of them like all of my editors have a, have them like my boss loves them very much and we just love the format and kind of playing with it and having it on a coffee table and so on. But um, at the same time, um, when I had conversations with publishers like, um, you know, like Dark Horse or, you know, anyone basically in the industry, it seems yeah. like still art books are treated more like a very risky business, that it's not mm -hmm. something you would do, you know, just for the sake of art, so to speak. So could you maybe tell us a little bit about like what lies behind the curtain like what is the business model of this business so how do you are artists making money on these or are these just printed out of you know sheer passion what is considered like a success in this industry like how many copies maybe do you need to sell and print and overall like if you could tell like what's the state of the market for art books because we have like a bunch of artists on the platform and I'm sure everyone would love to do like their own little art book with their collection of their incredible art. So I'm just thinking if it's, if it's doable or the market is not there yet. Uh, so these were a couple of questions. I hope I don't miss out any of them. Yeah, I will just just answer from the from 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 the last one. So, um, art books in in general, um, or, or let me start differently. I would say if you decide to make an art book, you should be sure to um, make it for the love of it and not to make any money. Because as long as you're not Taschen or Dark Horse or any other big publishing company working with any studios, if you're trying to do this in an independent way. Um, it's uh, it's a combination of uh, luck, networking, marketing, and uh, yeah, the love for the art books. Uh, you will probably even hear this comment from our, um, from people who are doing this much longer than I do. Uh, you re don't really get rich from doing this. Uh, you don't really. Um, I'm not sure if you could say something like you can you can live from this. Maybe you can. Uh, to be honest, I'm doing a lot of things at the side too, because to me, this is mostly something about uh, doing it for the love of it. Uh, since I'm interested in art and since I'm very much a nerd when it comes to books, I always wanted to do something for the collectors with great material. And so 
yeah, there's there's one aspect of art books um, that is quite different. Like the, the one that is uh, that the most people know is uh, the kind of art books of uh, the traditional kind of gallery art. Um, so in this case, it usually works like a catalog and these are printed to not uh, really generate any income, but it's more about to show people what's out there and what they can uh, probably get. Uh, it's about an overview. It's about um, showing uh, showing who which, which artist the gallery recently added. Um, so what I am doing and a lot of other people are also doing is actually considered a kind of art book that is even a niche in a niche. So if you're talking about art books that include concept artists, 2D and 3D concept artists, I mean, or illustrators or people who do book covers, mostly fantasy art or even sci-fi, this is something that not really, that, that's not even really considered uh, part of this art book world. Yeah, so <laughs> it's 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 even something that is frowned upon um, by by some people. And uh, if I recall what my my friend Eric told me, it's like if you if you think about uh, Hans Rudi Giger, um, the the uh, the man uh, the genius that designed the alien, um, he made most of his money, as far as I know, from the one book that was published by Taschen. Um, and if you think about that, and, and if you think about the fact that he has never been really accepted in the art world as other artists were, because he was working on movies and all these uh, uh, pop culture things, some would say, then you would actually think that uh, it should have been the exact opposite because he's so well respected, right? Like he's an important artist and he has done so many great things. But... Uh, he's kind of an exception in that market, right? So you have someone who has uh, done uh, great, great artworks with airbrush, uh, who is known for that medium specifically. Uh, and you would think that that guy uh, has made a great impact in the art world, in the gallery world, but it's still something that is even considered as a niche. And so is it, it's the same case with the art books that, that I and others are doing. And um, yeah, so th there is a market, uh, but it, it's just for people who are super nerding out about the topic, who are very interested in, um, in, in concept art, in art that is um, connected to games. But there is, I would say there is hope <laughs> because games have become something in the past years that has been uh, more and more important. There have, are people who say that games at some point will... Um, be more important than movies, that they are the new medium to tell stories. And uh, if you were looking at games like The Last of Us, this is something this is uh, that we can totally believe that is it's absolutely acceptable to think that. Um, so I'm, I'm thinking that art books uh, in that sector will probably also be something that is uh, becoming more important. If you're looking at um, artists that have been working on Magic the Gathering, or uh, in games, but also are producing their art in a traditional sense, in traditional mediums, um, and uh, are selling them in galleries now, and more and more places open up that consider these as valuable artworks that are going over the table for um, uh, many thousands of dollars, then uh, yeah, there is, there is hope, there is more happening. 
which question did I did I forget other than that? <laughs> no, I think you you gave a very nice intro into this because I kind of have yeah. the same uh, opinion towards it. So I'm mm -hmm. not sure if this is something that you would do. And I think it actually applies to anything that you're doing in uh, games or movies and so on. Because if you think about it, nobody actually goes there to make a million dollars, right? So they're just going there just yeah. to make to do a movie or to do some art or to make a game. The yeah. success sort of like comes as a nice compliment to that all. But uh, I don't think it's ever and the like priority for the most of people and when uh, it is yeah, it yeah, kind of true. becomes like not very successful you know or maybe not successful but just boring in a way like when corporations yeah, are uh, making games it's different i i'm i'm thinking about um about these these cases where you have i mean i can i can just tell from my perspective i work with with a, a publishing company for uh for games which is called we are fuzzy uh, the guys behind it are the same uh, that were uh, that funded um, that founded uh, Kitbash 3D, uh, Max Berman and uh, Banks Boutte and his friends, uh, their friends, and they started. Uh, they they created this game which is uh, called Sleep Tight, and it's a Nintendo game uh, for the Switch. And they approached me to create an art book with all the process for their creatures and their like the monsters that were made and the characters you can play. So if you are creating a game as an indie company and you have like this giant stack of artwork, it would just be, in my opinion, a total waste to not pack this in a book. And I'm not saying go to a publisher or, or come to me or come to anyone else. Um, just sit down. Uh, if, even if you work with Photoshop, and I know some people will kill me over this, I would say actually use InDesign. Uh, but even if you just pack everything together in Photoshop, send it to uh, something like a photo book uh, printer, and then just uh, create a stack of books and give them away to people who appreciate it or sell them or make them part of a Kickstarter campaign to even fund the game, um, then you've done the right thing. Then you don't do something that a lot of bigger uh, game publishers do, uh, have art created that just goes straight to the bin because it cannot be published for whatever commercial or uh, um, lawyer reason, I will say, for any legal th uh, reasons. Um, there are people who are sitting there and creating artwork for hours and hours and hours, and they don't ever see the light of the day. If you're an independent publisher for games and you get the, the, the chance to actually make this visible to other people, please, please, please make an art book. <laughs> they are just in, in such a demand and they will also... Um, Create, they will create more value for your product in the end, for the game itself. Yeah, totally. I think that having something physical that is connected with your game, be that like an art book or even a t-shirt, it's always such a great advantage. And um, yeah. right. I guess, Mike, well, you, you touched a little bit on that, saying that, you know, just to get your Photoshop you know, project ready and uh, do some printing in your office but if we're like being super serious right so printing a project of that kind is kind of super complex because there's a number of issues that arise like the accuracy of colors like so you need to be very careful about choosing your partner and so on so i yeah, guess my, my my question is like if you were 
like super serious about it and if you wanted to monetize it and go like on kickstarter or work with a publisher um where would you go to do the actual printing and publishing of the um, the physical art book like what is the what's your take on it because i know there are partners in china there are companies like there are like all over the world and um there is so many different things there's like the paper there's like the hardcover soft cover there's a bunch of other things that i think artists in games traditionally don't think that much about i would love yeah. to hear your perspective on it because you've been in this business like for a while um so the 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 moment where i'm nerding out the most it's is when it comes to the material uh when you have a really good book in terms of content and you just print it on really bad material that hurts still uh it's better than not doing it at all obviously um when it comes to production in 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 countries uh that are further like farther away and um are cheaper in production um it's always to also think about the factors that probably will play into um not doing it which are outside of the cost um so what some of my partners have told me in the past and why which is the reason why i've never produced anything in china so far um uh except for the uh for the uh, sleep tight book which i made with uh with a friend of mine who's called mark Vieira. uh and mark for example is someone who's doing um offshore printing so he's taking care of everything um he's he's uh, contacting um the, the companies in China and uh, he's um, uh, actually traveling traveling over there I think I think even in Hong Kong and um, it, I think it was Hong Kong and he's traveling there and checking everything out and making sure the quality is great and in the end you uh, get a product uh, that you are happy about so that might make sense if you're in the United States where in my uh, experience printing is even more expensive and I'm saying even because I'm used to things being more expensive in, in Germany in most cases. Um, so printing in the United States, it's much more expensive than uh, in most other European countries that I've uh, worked with printers. And uh, so it makes sense to say something like, okay, I'm sending it over to China. But um, the the legal affairs are different. So the sentence that I heard most so far from other colleagues is if you send something over, then you can be sure that you just uh, forfeit your forfeit your rights. Um, be sure that there will be plagiarism. Be sure that the, there will be ripoffs. There are were cases where something in the book that has been printed uh, offended the, um, uh, the government and all books were burned. Uh, there are so many horror stories. I don't know how many of them I can confirm, but even if half of them are true, it's a good enough reason to not uh, print in China. Um, except for the case maybe that um, you have maybe family there or if you know people there uh, who have a printer. Like, I cannot generalize this. It's just a reason why I'm not feeling safe enough to, uh, to do this. And also, especially since I'm handling this for... Um, for artists that are trusting me with a product. So what I'm doing is that I um, work with uh, a co-publisher, uh, my, uh, my business partner, Jean-Christophe Corette of uh, Edition Corette. Um, uh, as I mentioned before, he's uh, publishing books of Superani, of uh, Kolkopinski, uh, Jasper Ising, and many other artists. 
uh, we're working together. So basically when I have an artist and uh, I approach him uh, about this, then he helps me fulfill the book. Uh, so um, I don't really have to take care of the aspect of shipping everything. And at the same time, when he has a book project, then he hires me to uh, help him with uh, the crowdfunding, but at the same time also uh, with the design of the book. Uh, so it's, it's like a mutual thing. Um, and the places, uh, the, the countries we print uh, with, uh, with, that we go with our books is, uh, are usually in Eastern Europe where the cost is um, because obviously because of, of labor uh, is much, uh, much, much, much lower. Uh, the quality uh, is uh, varying. The ones that we have experience with, and this is just something that you can, you can really just learn by making books is uh, to have partners that you can trust with uh, that have worked with other projects that have um, made great um, um, that, that did just great products and you just go back to them and just stick with them. In case you don't have these uh, these places, there's always um, on-demand printers uh, online where you just have to uh, send samples, print them, check if the color matches, and just go uh, go on with your life. Basically, <laughs> you just have to do the whole trial and error thing, or you just know a printer like my friend Iris Compete, for example. She was. Uh, close to a printer in the Netherlands. Uh, she's from the Netherlands herself, and uh, she really um, connected with uh, with with that uh, person, and uh, they created this great book with the quality that she wanted. And uh, to the day, it's it's one of my favorite books because um, the quality is just top notch, and it's just lovely to see uh, when people care about creating um, a product for uh, for collectors. So. There is not, there's not a simple answer to this as I just figured out. But in the end, um, I think if I would have to summarize this, I would say maybe ask someone who knows, uh, even just, I don't know, come to me or come to any other publisher that you know, or someone who has made a book before and ask them. There is not an easy answer. Or if you want to do it the hard way, do the trial and error or find a printing company in your country and go there and uh, just control everything. Because... If you want to create a game and want to make a book um, to add more value, then the least thing you probably can do is also just go to a printer and, uh, yeah, uh, get informed on what you want to do. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. And uh, I did ask these questions because I actually had conversations with people who were doing um, just various physical goods including our books and they were doing physical merch and stuff like that and yeah. i was amazed at the amount of work and like additional headache that you need to have in order <laughs> to produce something like that because yeah the horror stories that you kind of um that you just enumerated like saying like that they can steal something or the 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 mm -hmm you know, just the overall print quality might not be as good. They, I heard all of them and uh, it is kind of surprising that a lot of people are not aware of that and they think that building like your own merch or creating some kind of uh, such a complicated product as an art book will be easy. Yeah. It's not going to be easy. <laughs> that's no. why, that's why no. I, I think uh, that's why having such a, like a, a partner or some, an expert on your side is always beneficial. So, and I guess spirit on here comes my next question. So 
if you mm -hmm. don't have that partner partner on your side so how do you how, what do you do so do you um partner with a publisher like uh, maybe some some big name or you go like indie and find someone like in the community um how do you get the funding as well i think it's a, it's a viable question because nobody really knows how expensive it is and uh, how much yeah. money you need to put down so it would be nice if you could kind of give some guidance as just go into like a big publisher and a small publisher and what are the advantages of both approaches because i can think of some and uh, i would love to kind of like comment when once you give the answer uh yeah that's that's this this important question i've heard it quite a few times so um the first thing that you have to think about is if you have a product it doesn't mean that a big publisher wants it um a publisher that employs people needs to be aware of the fact that he has to pay these people that work for creating this book, market it, uh, fulfill it, ship it out, and all, the, all these things, they have to be considered. So that means that you really have to be aware that you have a top-notch product that the um, publisher uh, wants it. But, um, I mean, <laughs> the experience that I had with artists is that they usually think they're not good enough or don't have enough, good enough material. And in most cases uh, that I encountered, that was complete bullshit. Um, that was just um, either the imposter syndrome, the dreaded one, or um, just having uh, that they had bad feedback in the past. Um, there are multiple reasons. There are a lot of reasons that are funny. There are reasons that are absolutely not funny. Uh, there are reasons that are connected to mental health and to self-worth. And um, so maybe approaching a publisher and uh, getting rejected will be something that will make these uh, these specific people um, not ever try this again because they can't deal with rejection. Uh, in case that I'm talking, uh, that, that someone like this is listening to that, don't be afraid, even if you get just a letter of rejection, if, you just, if someone just tells you no, it doesn't mean that this will count for everybody. And this still doesn't mean that you cannot just do your own approach, the thing that I was just being asked about. The own approach would be uh, there are multiple ways you can just create a book like let's just think that you have the book right like or you um, That you want to create the book and have the content and you maybe even uh, have the PDF ready So something you can do is print it somewhere and have it at home and sell it through a store your own or Etsy or um, find an independent publisher um, in, in my case, I am trying to help artists self-publish. So when you're publishing with me, usually I've just put my name on, on this, but not as a, not as a publisher, um, sometimes as a, as a co-publisher, but I never really publish any books. I've, I've, I don't really consider myself a publisher when I'm working with artists. The way that I'm doing it is I'm enabling them to publish it themselves. So their name is on this and I'm not adding any logos on the, on the front or whatever because um, it's, uh, it's not about me. Um, the other thing is uh, I'm very aware that I'm doing this because I want to lay out books. I want to make beautiful books. I want to make stuff that people put on their shelves and uh, that they collect. Um, if you find someone who is doing what I'm doing, you may be uh, on the good side. There are always different uh, models when it comes to costs. Um, 
but so I have, for example, have my connections about fulfilling. I have my connections about printing and everything is sorted out. If you don't have that and if you don't find an indie publisher or anyone like that, the logical solution would be to do crowdfunding. Crowdfunding is very easy. Crowdfunding is very complex. Crowdfunding is very hard. It's all of that, depending on what you do. If you decide to do something like uh, one of the Make 100 uh, projects, it's, this is something that I would tell everybody to try out first if you are new to this. So the way that you do it is you don't overload yourself with a specific risk that um, that would be uh, creating a book and suddenly it becomes a bigger success than you expected. So you limit it to 100 products. If you have uh, this, then you can make clear calculations. Con and, it, and, it, and it doesn't go without calculations. I'm sorry, but if you're not, um, if you can't do that, then probably you should just not do it at all. Uh, the calculations will be considered tax fulfillment, uh, includes shipping costs, uh, which in, on Kickstarter, for example, is part of uh, the cost that is shown. Uh, they in integrated a new tool that shows you how many products you have to create and how much uh, of the part is of the money is uh, shipping. The number that the public sees is the number that includes shipping. So usually it looks bigger than it actually is. Um, so if you do this make 100 uh, um, uh, version, then you can get a feeling on how to approach this. If it was a success uh, and if you say, well, this, this has been good, then you can still consider to make another campaign. And it also means that you already have a bunch of people that are following you on Kickstarter because Kickstarter, most of all, is a network. Um, of course, they want their money, but they're also bringing customers to you if the product is good. Um, so if you if you think about it, even if you create a Kickstarter campaign and it's not a success, at least you build new followers on a network. So if you launch it again, they will get notified about your next product, no matter if it was a success or not. So yeah, make uh, try try uh, either Indiegogo or any other. I mean, there are so many crowdfunding platforms so far. There are some that are just limited to countries. Uh, France has its own very big uh, comic uh, uh, culture with 5,000 new comics every year, uh, which is absolutely insane, bigger than the US. And they have their own crowdfunding platforms. I remember there was one is called Ulele, I think, and the other was Kiss Kiss Bank Bank or something. <laughs> I can't just keep up with the names, um, but uh, there's the traditional ones would be Kickstarter or Indiegogo. Indiegogo used to be one that was uh, in included with with PayPal. Uh, by now, it's not anymore, as far as I know. So uh, it's something that is limited to um, to uh, credit cards. Something that is not used as much uh, in Europe. So if you're an, a European creator. If you look at your Instagram account and you see that most of your clients come from um, from Europe, then maybe you should think about doing it on Kickstarter. Um, maybe you should just think about making a shop on uh, on, on PayPal or any other um, payment uh, option and just collect the money and do it as a pre-order. Because if you think about it, Kickstarter is nothing else than a pre-order platform. And... Uh, you can handle this yourself. I mean, people have done this before Kickstarter too, and just uh, try to get the funds together. And if you have that, make a print run and uh, hope for the best that it's not an absolute nightmare because yeah, uh, like you just mentioned before, it can be an absolute nightmare. Yes, yeah, I 
actually completely agree with you and uh, you kind of preceded my next question about the pre-orders because uh, that's what i wanted to kind of touch a little bit on but yeah. um, my initial idea so i actually i i went ahead and i had conversation with dark horse publishing so basically i had huh? conversation with them talked about the uh, mm, basically wanted to learn more about their business model. So I just went, I had it kind of like, did like a guerrilla test. I don't know how to, to call it. And yeah. they were very straightforward. There's, they said that uh, in order for us to publish you or whatever, whatever you, you want, right? So you need to have some kind of like a, a great property to back up your art or whatever, right? Because when they are when they want to publish a product they want to make sure i mean it's like in any media business right so they want to mitigate their risks and they need to understand that if you're coming to them that the product that you're providing will sell in 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 at least some kind of like some numbers right so if yeah. you if bethesda comes to them and says like hey i want to make a fallout uh art book they will be happy to help right but if just some random guy from the street comes up and says that I, I got this amazing comic and we have like a bunch of followers on, on Instagram, they would be like, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> like maybe we're, we're not yeah. going to do that. Yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. I completely kind of understand their, um, you know, their train of thought because after all, it's business for them. And as you said, they have salaries to pay and there's a lease and all that stuff. And not to yeah. mention the facilities and the printings and all that stuff. So that's definitely complicated. But what is a great advantage that the, this kind of um, a partnership can give to an artist is that they can uh, provide a very wide distribution network, right? So if you, if you go with them and they, for some miracle, you end up and they want to publish your stuff, uh, your, your stuff will be everywhere. Because they they can push it in like Barnes and Noble, they can push it on like Amazon. You can they can do yeah. it everywhere, right? So that's definitely an advantage. But it as with Kickstarter, it kind of all comes with a cost, right? So and Kickstarter takes a certain percentage of your whatever you gather there, right? And so does the the publisher, right? Because the publisher usually works in a way where they just pay for the license or whatever. And yeah. then they handle uh, the, the profit is basically theirs. You're just getting some kind of a fee for for them using your intellectual property. So it's it's, it's yeah, like yeah. a very very complicated topic. And I know it's uh, um, it, it's not an easy answer. So I'm I'm sure you have those conversations a lot, like in, in your line of work. And yeah. you mentioned like w one thing that I really liked is um, going with the pre-orders and essentially it is uh, something that Kickstarter does and so on. It's just like, thanks to like the networking effect that the Kickstarter mm -hmm. creates and the buzz and the press, it maybe can get you better results in terms of like promotion and marketing. But is there an opportunity to do this kind of like uh, on your own without mm -hmm. any platform in mind, not to kind of give away the percentages, right? So not to give away like 30% of your income. I, I don't I don't know like how much uh, uh, Kickstarter takes, but I think for a newcomer who 
doesn't really understand like all those, you know, also things connected with using the different platforms and services and taxes mm -hmm. and all that stuff. It might be like a nasty surprise in the end where you think you, you got like a million dollars and you think that you're like super successful, but at the end you come up with a much smaller <laughs> amount of money, which might not be enough to cover all your costs. And at the end you end up even owning more to like your partners and so on. So, um, yeah. does, does pre or do, do pre-orders help you kind of like mitigate that risk in a way? Can they, uh, sort of like soothe your, um, you know, risks and, uh, give you more opportunity to kind of be more flexible? Um, the, so the, the, the hidden cost, the hidden cost of, of Kickstarter and the stuff there where people were like, um, I mean, in the first years when it came up was like, like the comments you usually were reading were like, shit, I messed up because I didn't expect all the extra cost with shipping, etc., etc., etc. Like all these things were like the absolute neck, neck breaker. Um, there was a case of, of, of uh, there were enough cases of artists that created the book and just couldn't deal with the pressure. And there was like this one guy I remember who actually burned the entire stack um, uh, of books just because he couldn't deal with it no. anymore. Yeah, he did that. And uh, that was like, uh, I think like three years ago, if I remember right. So he basically was, was just fed up with the entire um, fulfillment aspect and said like people are messaging him and asking him all the time where the books are. And he made a video of himself in a, kind of a very, like, if I may say so, petty manner. Uh, um, manner. It was just like filming himself. It was like, yeah, here you got your shit and stuff like that. It was filming him and you could see them like throw a match on the books and they were just like blazing. <laughs> and um, so you have this case, right? Uh, and where I, where I would say something like, well, you also could have just created a website and created a payment button and say like you're gonna get the book in three or four months and people just send you the money and you have uh, uh, something like uh, regular updates through email where you say I have so much money now I have so much money now I have so much money and then you say all right now I reached the goal and then you have the money that you have asked the printer for before like you obviously would have to get a quote on that and then you just deal with this stuff so people actually you just need a shop and you just have to tell people i will send this later but you can buy this now and <laughs> the option to just reimburse people like this is all that you need kickstarter is taking 10 percent um just just like me there's like eight percent but then you can have uh, the transaction fees and blah, blah, blah. so yeah so but overall you can say if kickstarter takes 10 percent but overall brought you 50 to 25 percent more money than if you would have done it differently then you can do the math. You can say like, all right, this was still good. If you're like, I don't want to deal with any of this and I just want to do pre-orders, then just do it. It's super simple. Uh, all you need is a crowd. You just need uh, followers. You just need a fan base. I, there are still people who do it like that. As I think I recall Ashley Wood is actually doing it like this. Uh, James Jean, I think, is also doing it through his own uh, uh, website. And uh, they regularly have uh, something like a limited uh, print coming up or just an art book every year. Uh, there are plenty of people who do it like that and they don't need any other uh, thing but because what they did in the right moment was not just build their entire hopes on uh, social media 
and as toxic and as uh, disgusting it has become over time. It's, I mean, it's, it's connecting people and that's always great. But I mean, if we recall, Facebook at some point said, well, come join Facebook and you just need a Facebook page and more people would see it. And at some point they were like, all right, so now that people uh, are here, um, maybe you just pay some money for ads to uh, make people actually see your work. <laughs> yeah, which is, uh, the, uh, if you think about it, like a classic scam. Um, then you uh, realize, well, I maybe should have put more effort into a good newsletter. If you ask me, a newsletter, uh, emails is the best thing that you can do um, because it doesn't really cost anything. Not, I mean, it costs depending on your provider or how you do it. Um, but it doesn't really cost anything and uh, you reach everybody who actually wants to get updates from you and they all can just check their inbox and if they missed something the next update might help them uh, they can still check your social media but if you depend on social media to do your business you might uh, find yourself at some point banned or um, for some reason uh, like like this uh, what is it called shadow ban yeah so shadow ban for not being active enough or something like that all these algorithms they will probably just uh, not be a favor to your business so if you ask me yeah do pre-orders do a good newsletter and you're safe Spirit, i can't thank you enough for kind of like highlighting all these issues because yeah. um i think it's super important like if you're if you're going into the business side of things, you kind of need mm -hmm. to understand that there is like uh, that your sleep is gonna be very troubled at night if you have any. <laughs> oh, animals, yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah, yes, because yes. there's like so much thing, so many things going on, and there's like, and we haven't touched like on legal, we haven't touched like on on yeah. so many questions that might arise uh, when you're doing this. But you did um, talk a bit about like the use of uh, social media as one of your uh, kind of like a marketing um, mm. channels, right? And uh, you yeah. said that it's kind of risky. And I agree as a person who was accidentally b uh, banned on Facebook just at yeah. the beginning of the year, I was like, um, I kind of there felt bad. Yeah. So and I have friends who are like in the industry, they, they, they are fighting with the same problems. Mm. And it just shows you that you can't actually depend on one channel in general. Mm. It's just mm. not productive. But um, my question is, so how do you market it then? So what is the way that you promote it and uh, sell it and uh, kind of let the audience know that you have this product and so on? Because I think in the majority of cases where you see someone using a platform, they are relying a lot on that platform to kind of give them a little bit of a push, a bit of a networking effect or so on in their marketing and kind of to connect with that, like, how do you, how do you market is the, this, the next question is whom do you market it to? Right. Because I had a conversation like a couple of years with Leo, like the, uh, our station founder. And yeah. uh, he said, man, that, uh, artists don't want to buy stuff from other artists. <laughs> <laughs> and Leo should know, right? Yeah. So yeah. my question is, who who is your customer? Like, whom are you selling these products that you've created? That's that's very interesting, like to me. 
and how, what, what are the channel to kind of reach them? So this question taps into a very, um, to a topic that can get very uncomfortable because it has a couple of truths that, um, that are tough to swallow. Um, if you want to market your, your product, be it a print or whatever, if you have uh, platforms like ArtStation and uh, several marketplaces, even if it's just a tutorial, if you have a print shop, if you have um, um, the traditional means that we just mentioned, I mean, traditional by now is also social media, it has become traditional, um, then the, the main thing that you have to do to make sure is that you, like you mentioned before, don't rely on one of them. Because yes, I had friends who were sharing, uh, what was it, like a YouTube video of, uh, of I think it was a hip hop video, and um, obviously there were uh, a couple of dancers uh, and uh, uh, yeah, so that was for, for them was kind of um, uh, close to like pornographic content or some, uh, content and something and they were banned. That means that uh, and you can't do anything like you can't just contact a help desk. You can't do anything at all. Um, there uh, some people say there are measures that you can take and just can like fight it. But usually if you don't just get banned for a while uh, and then at some point you can like like uh, send an inquiry and say, why can you please look over this because this was done by a bot and this is just an elbow and not a boop, then in the end um, you will probably just be gone if this wasn't the case like that. If you are banned for good and you're deleted, then you're gone. Uh, this meant for those friends that I uh, was talking about, this meant a significant break in their income because they were building their, they put so much, so much effort in building their audience on this one platform. And since Instagram is also um, <clears throat> uh, part of Facebook now, it has happened before that you were uh, blocked on one platform and on the other one too. So what's left? Um, at least there's Twitter. Um, Twitter doesn't have any, uh, like, like not really a lot of regulations, uh, it's being criticized a lot for, um, just like Facebook for, uh, the political content that they allow and pushing, uh, the misinformation, but at the same time, Twitter doesn't really have any issues with pornographic content, which is, uh, the reason why you find so much uncensored content there. Um, in a way it's free for, uh, for you to put on there whatever you want without a risk and not, uh, even being confused with something, even if you don't put pornographic content on their adult material, it still means that at least it won't be confused, which is a good thing. Um, where was I? <laughs> uh, so if you're if you're thinking about uh, about pushing out your your content on uh, through social media, make sure that you don't have just one platform. Um, I kind of got carried away. Help me with the question again. <laughs> No, I think you, you kind of touched on that, right? So um, yeah, but you were more specific. You were about the like, channel, right? The the channels is that you can mix with Twitter, you can mix with Facebook. Yeah. But the important thing is that's not to rely on one on one channel that you have. Like, don't invest on your money and just put it. Oh no, yeah, and you, and you said uh, artists buying from artists and all that. Yeah, right. So yeah, I but like, uh, whom, whom are you selling this to? Exactly, like, that, that's a big question. So if you. If you um, are an artist that is 
let's just call it famous. And if you have your fan base, then these obviously will be some of your buyers. If you happen to create art that is something that people outside of the art circle are watching, then you probably are even better off because there's a bigger um, uh, audience than artists themselves. There are geeks. And uh, if you're creating content that goes into the comic direction, for example, then you also tap into the target group of geeks. And this is where it gets interesting. Like, this is what you want to do. Um, I can only say, uh, confirm what Leo said, because um, my, uh, <clears throat> my uh, experience with... I'm sorry, <clears throat> I got a drink some water. My experience with um, <clears throat> uh, creating products for artists uh, has also been um, uh, made through uh, the Firestarter magazine that I made. It was a magazine that was available for free uh, for a couple of years. I, since 2017, I was publishing it. I just want to say that it's a great magazine. If you don't have it, just you, you won't be able to buy it, like, right? So it's, because I went, I think, on Gamescom or somewhere. And I had an opportunity to kind of look through the magazine. It was amazing. Just saying. I think probably you went. You probably went to to Nordic Game in Malmo, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they had it there. Uh, so, 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 um, this magazine doesn't exist anymore. Not in that form. Um, so it was acquired by CGMA, and uh, it's 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 a new magazine now called Nexus, and it's not centered on events, uh, but on education. But um, other than that, uh, what I was going to say was the magazine was for free and I left it open to people to just donate. And there were thousands of downloads and um, the donations made up like, I don't know, 100 or 200 bucks in the end. Um, if it would have been in, in a way that uh, every single one of them would have just paid like, let's say, 50 cents or something. Um, then the entire thing would have looked different, obviously, and uh, the magazine would have uh, grown into something something else. And um, this is also the experience that has been told me from other artists, which is basically exactly what Leo said. Um, artists don't really support other artists. There is the issue of um, content being uh, torrented, there's the issue of stuff being uh, ripped not only from t-shirt companies or something that are just uh, spamming everything on Facebook. There are also other artists who are just printing everything out themselves or creating their own t-shirts with that. I mean, the classic bootleg stuff is uh, never going, going away. But at the same time, you have a very big conversation about um, not being supported enough. So. And let me just say it frankly as it is, there were plenty of people who have been uh, complaining a lot about not getting any support um, online uh, or through the, the products and at the same time haven't supported anyone else. And this is just not an artist problem, this is a human problem. Uh, there was a little story that I, uh, that I experienced at uh, an event uh, called THU, uh, Troy Norris was a unicorn. Um, and there was this, this guy that approached me and was talking to me, um, was getting me a drink, and um, was uh, and we were kind of having this conversation, and I was uh, finishing uh, uh, the cola, and uh, he was telling me at the same time that he found this tutorial that um, increased his workflow so immensely, he only needed like a third of the time, and it was something he found on Gumroad, and I was. Um, asking the, the guy basically like uh, how uh, like 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 
how much it costed. And he was like, oh, it, uh, it was just like five bucks, but um, it was still too expensive and we just uh, torrented it. And then he uh, lit a cigarette and asked me if I want another drink. So uh, that was basically something that made me think like, so, okay, so you, you can get cigarettes, you can get a drink and even offer me one. But that guy that increased your workflow and made you made your work faster and in the end made you ask for like like you write invoices and don't work as long anymore for the amount that is on these invoices and you couldn't even give the guy like five bucks or something so that was that was kind of a of a reality that hit me um and has influenced my decisions ever since because it was a it was a uh like a, a pattern that I encountered more often. Um, there is this this weird notion in the public, not only from the uh, obviously from from the art community because because people in the industry are, uh, are complaining themselves, but there are often these screenshots going around about people like you should do this for free because art should be there for everybody and you it should be an honor for you to do this stuff, and as much as as people are laughing about these things going around. As often I have seen um, artists not supporting other artists. So if you create a product, make sure that you have the support uh, from the right people, that you target it to the right people, and this will always be the fans that have always supported you. And if you have a good product, if you build it, <laughs> they will come. <laughs> and uh, it again is a case of trial and error. You can do a lot of targeting through Facebook ads, uh, if you want to tap into that direction, you can just launch a couple of ads and see um, which uh, country is reacting best uh, to, to this, where the most response is coming from, age group, even, even gender, uh, all these um, uh, things you can find out. But that's uh, compared to what I was proposing with, um, uh, with doing this over, uh, over uh, like, like just, just pre-orders, this is basically rocket science. So uh, if you don't know what you're doing, probably don't put your money into Facebook. Yeah, Spiridon, I think it's a great answer and it's um, kind of a nice way to go into like the end of our conversation. So because we're almost running out of time, unfortunately, I would love to spend like yeah. a couple of hours discussing all these topics. That's super interesting. <laughs> but um, yeah, I guess you kind of laid it out that um, the, the audience the audience is dynamic, right? So um, yeah. it's not something that if you were, that is set as stone and you can't do anything about it. You can't, right? So if you have certain images or you have certain kind of the design concepts that appeal to a wider audience, like in, as you mentioned, like if you go to the geeks kind of like level, then yeah. you kind of start seeing more sales and more um, traction kind of going with a wider audience. It's just like, yeah, but, but if, if I may add something like you don't have to do this too. Like I get why people cannot put support in, in some places, because first of all, we were recording this during a pandemic. And before that, most artists that are really excited and watching you and our fans are either students or just trying to get by. So this is not a critique that goes in the direction of, Ooh, why don't you do this? But it's more like if you're complaining about the same issue, maybe you could be the change, you know, like you can, you can make a difference and just smoke one cigarette less and just give a couple of cents to the one that you really want to support and get a print. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm like, I'm a big supporter of the idea of like, um, this concept of like extreme ownership. If, mm -hmm. and it basically means that if, uh, 
if something's happening with you that you don't want to happen, then you need to change it, right? So that's that's basically your problem. Like, and it's not this that the world is unfair and so on and so forth. Because yeah, duh, of course it's unfair. <laughs> what are you gonna do about it? People are going to steal stuff, right? But if you yeah. have like the right attitude, if you package it in like a, a good way that you find the right audience, the right channel, um, you will be successful. I mean, I know that it's a, a lot of ifs, like there, there's mm. a lot of like things that have to come into place, but it's still doable. You just need to, you know, invest some time and so on. Um, there's not a general, there's not a general answer to this, to this issue. Uh, I agree with this. So you, you can't just really say like, like, um, in general, like, like, why is this happening to me and what, uh, and I can't do anything about it. Sometimes there are just solutions that you don't come up with. And in some cases, it's, it's just like Jean-Luc Picard said, yeah, you can do everything right. And then still something goes wrong. And that's not failure. That's life. It's like, <laughs> that's true that's true i mean and on that optimistic note <laughs> like to end the spirit. And it was a, an incredible fun having you uh, with us I'm, I'm i hope that someday we'll do another um conversation yeah, uh, uh just for the audience i'm just gonna leave all the links to like spirit on stuff uh and um uh, the section description section so you can go ahead and click it plus we're going to do a separate like written interview with spirit on and we're going to publish it like maybe in a couple of weeks after this gets published so mm -hmm. check out that as well uh thank you so much and uh, i wish you all the best thanks for having me take care thanks for enjoying another episode of the 80 level roundtable podcast Check out upcoming episodes on the 80 Level website at 80.lv. Join our career site at 80.lv RFP. And share our podcast with friends and on your social networks.